And we're going to welcome Jeff White up this morning to uh, share from God's Word. Jeff's been with us before, and it's a pleasure to have him with us again. Let's give Jeff a nice, warm Hope Church welcome. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be here ag again. I think I was here maybe September. Is this thing okay? Do I have to move it down? We're good? Okay. I think I was here September, and I think I have been invited back again in March, at the end of March. So it is always good to be here at Hope Church. There's always a warm welcome when I'm here. And I also wish you greetings on behalf of Bethel Church. Uh, that's where I uh, attend. I'm a preaching and teaching elder at Bethel Church, so we wish you greetings from Lansing, Illinois. And I also teach at Ileana Christian High School, where I've been there for 30 years. So uh, teaching history, which is, of course, the greatest subject to be taught. I got the greatest job in the world. I get paid to tell stories all day long. I get paid to tell stories. But today, we look at a story. Today, we look at Emmanuel. Now, you might say, wait a minute, Emmanuel. Those are the kinds of titles that you have before Christmas. Before Christmas, you, as you're going through Advent, you have all these different special titles. And on this Sunday is when you're supposed to you know, preach about the wise men, right? No, probably not. Well, wait a minute. We just celebrated New Year's Day yesterday. Now we're supposed to be talking about the new year. Well, we might do that a little bit too. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us in 2022. Think about that. God with us in 2022. Did anybody get any special gifts that maybe you have with you today? You opened up a, a special gift and you say, oh, I'm going to wear that piece of jewelry from now on. That's going to be my Sunday jewelry. Maybe you have a special mug. Wow, I got a Yeti, finally. And that's going to be my church mug. I'm only going to take it on Sundays. Today, we're going to talk about a gift that you've been given that's right, a gift that you've been given to take into 2022. My wife, she, uh, she's, a, she's a keeper. So she gives me a couple shirts to wear for my first day of school tomorrow, as well as Tuesday. And this one says, I teach history because science teachers need heroes too. I can't wait to wear this tomorrow. And on Tuesday, yeah, I can't wait to wear this on Tuesday. Tuesday. Love this one. History is important, but history, I'm sorry, English is important, but history is importanter. That's right taking these gifts into 2022. But what do we take with us? How do we exit 2021? How do we exit 2021 and come into 2022? Yeah, that kind of looks a little bit like what 2021 was. And you know what? Getting from Lansing out to Lowell this morning, I know that I sent Dawn this, this picture here two weeks ago, but that's what it was like getting here, okay? Can we go down Hart Street? No, we got to take 30. Can we get down Route 41? It was amazing just getting here. 
had. But this is how a lot of us feel like we had to exit 2021. So what happens as we go into 2022? What happens? I was going to do something kind of unique today. And I went to Strax and I went to Waltz and I went to Jules and I couldn't find it. I was going to give everybody a gingerbread man today. And no, we weren't going to do some weird twist on the Lord's Supper. No. But I was going to give everybody a cookie. That's right. Because you got your coffee. <clears throat> everybody was going to have a cookie. And I was going to ask you to take a bite. Yep. It's called gingerbread psychology. This is true, folks. 500 people were examined, and they were examined by Dr. Alan Hirsch, at the neuro, who is the neurological director at the Smell and Taste Treatment Center in Chicago. And what he found out from studying 500 people, that the people who bit the head off first were achievement-orientated people, natural leaders, and they don't take no for an answer. How many of you in here would say, I'm a head biter? All right. If you... Bite the right hand first. Well, according to Dr. Hirsch, you're skeptic. You're a pessimist. If you bite the left hand, you're of the creative type. You're more of a, an extrovert. And if you bite the legs, you tend to be more sensitive, reveling in the company of others. Is that you, Mike? Are you the, the leg biter type? Okay, the more sensitive type. So here's the thing. If you would have had one of those cookies, if you would have all taken a bite, you all would have done maybe something different. Because we're all different people here. It's the way God made us. But there's something special that all of us do have in common. And what we do have in common is faith. I was looking at the songs this morning as we were singing, and I'm like, wow. Every single song that we sang was a song about faith. It was a song about God being in control. Even the video. I didn't know they were going to show that video. And I'm thinking, wow, we're having all these God moments because when that potter makes that clay or molds that clay, think of what that potter does. That potter touches every single morsel of that clay and that pot to get it just how he or she wants. The potter does that. And we think about God as the potter molding our lives. He touches every piece of it. He molds every single piece of it. I, I knew that I was never, ever, ever going to do this until, until last night. I'm taking out my phone. Never say never. And in my phone, here's what happened last night. Last night, we had a family gathering. We, we get done with our family gathering. I come home, and as I'm relaxing in the lazy boy, what do I do? I go on the Facebook. That's right. I go on the Facebook. And when I went on Facebook, guess who popped up? Linda Smith's Open Heist. And Linda Smith Open Heist's, she said this a year ago. For several years, I've had a Bible verse plaque by our kitchen window. Just recently, we remodeled our kitchen, and I thought I'd keep my eyes open for a new plaque. While at a little shop in Lowell with my friend, I came across this one. I knew right away this was going to be my verse to start every morning of 2021. And the verse that Linda said that she was going to start every day of 2021 was, I will walk by faith even when I cannot see. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Right, Linda? I will walk by faith. And when I read that last night, I thought, 
that's what this whole sermon is about. That's not coincidence. That's not coincidence. Sometimes God, I've often told my students, coincidence is sometimes God remaining anonymous. But we have these God moments, and we had those moments already today about faith, about gifts. And so today's passage is going to be from the book of Romans. Can we see Romans 1, verse 8, please, on the screen? Now, the book of Romans is a sophisticated book. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote letters, a lot of times he wrote letters that were kind of like in-your-face admonishment. He's going to tell some people what they're doing wrong. Some letters that he writes are encouragement. Some letters are a little personal, one-on-one. Book of Philemon, it's a little bit of a one-on-one between him and Philemon. But the book of Romans is written to a sophisticated group of people, intellectuals, and they want some meat. So he's going to give them some meat. (coughs) In this book, he's going to give them some really, really deep theology. And that's why St. Augustine, Martin Luther, John Wesley, so much of their teachings they drew from this book of Romans. You know, there's a, there's a common practice among, among theology professors at Christian colleges. And I remember doing this project as well. You were supposed to go to at least 50 people on campus and ask them the question, if you were on a deserted island, what book of the Bible, and you can only have one, what book do you want with you? And so many people say, the book of Romans. This book is written right at the time which Paul's in Corinth. And when he's in Corinth, he's dealing with a whole bunch of messy issues. And he's finishing up his third missionary journey. And he knows he can't get to Rome. He's got some unfinished business first to do in Jerusalem. And then he hopes to get to Rome. So he writes this letter. And there's a person there in the Corinthian church, Phoebe. She kind of lives in the outside suburbs, the Bible tells us, of Corinth. And Corinth was a big city, almost almost 200,000 people. She lives in the suburbs, but she's on her way to, to Rome. So Paul's like, hey, take this book with you and tell all those folks there in the Roman church that I'll be there as soon as I can. So after she gets sent off, it's going to be three years, but eventually the Apostle Paul will end up in Rome. And here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is reported all over the world. That's right, your faith. Think about that. The gift, the spiritual gift of faith. God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness in how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times and I pray that now at last by God's will the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you, so I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That's right, spiritual gift. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged in each other's faith. Do we think about our faith enough as a gift? Or do we think about our faith as something that we cultivate, that we make grow? And maybe we got to look at faith a little differently. I do not want... You to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. Verse 14. I'm obligated both to Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach to you the gospel and to who you are at Rome. 
I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. This book is about the greatest Christmas gift we can receive, mercy and faith. Verse 17 is the kicker. Verse 17 is what I want to focus on for the next few minutes. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. In the King James Version, it says from faith to faith. Translated to some modern ideas, it really means from first to last, from beginning to end. So, is faith a gift? Yeah. Let's read this verse again. For in the gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by, that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. From first to last, beginning to end, from eternity to eternity. Your faith did not begin maybe five years ago or ten years ago or maybe when you were in junior high. Your faith began from first to last, from eternity to eternity. God placed on you faith. Faith is not some kind of feeling. And I think we, th we throw around that word faith way too much. After the White Sox won, you know, their game in the, in the playoffs, they had people there outside of different establishments in Chicago, and they were interviewing them. So do you think the Sox will come back? And I remember one woman says, I have faith. Oh, really? You have faith? Would you stake your life on it? You have faith? No, you have a hopefulness that the White Sox will come back. But faith is a condition. Think about that. We talk about people being people of faith. That's right. Faith is a condition that God places on you. And it's from first to last. This is reflected in Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. You don't make your faith grow. It's not about you. It's all about him. He is the author from first to last from faith to faith, from beginning to end, like we just read here in Romans. He is the perfecter and author of our faith, who for the joy set before him and endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's right. Our God suffered on that cross so that you can be given the gift of faith. Yesterday, January 1st, eh, Christmas is over. Put away the tree. Yank down the yard lights. I don't have to yank down the yard lights. we got four inches of snow. I can wait a couple more weeks. But we're putting everything away. But maybe we shouldn't. So many of these Christmas songs that we sing are also resurrection songs. So can we, just for one moment, can we just kind of close down 2022 Thinking about these words here, where it says, Before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Shall we think about that verse from, What child is this? And can we just sing it together as a small prayer, and then we'll continue on with the message. God with us. Emmanuel. God with us. 
underneath our skin. It's not there. I'm sorry. What I wanted us to sing was, Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. Hail, hail, the word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. We just read this in Hebrews. Let's sing it. Nails, spear, shall pierce him through. God continuing to be with us. That gift, that gift of faith and that gift of salvation and that gift of justification. We see that. We see that in Romans 5 verse 1. As Paul continues in this, in this message to the Romans, he keeps building on this idea of faith and building on this idea of how you are righteous and just before God. Romans 5, verse 1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that gift of faith that comes through Emmanuel, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, for nearly a thousand years, the church of Jesus Christ was reading the Latin translation of Scripture. And when they were reading the Latin translation of Scripture, they were reading that word justificare or justificare. You see that word justice in that Latin word there. But justificare. In other words, you had to bring about your own justice. You had to bring about your own righteousness. And it confused so many people. You know, if, if I have to go to prison for 10 years and I serve my time, I come out and I say, I've done it. I've made myself righteous now, and I can go back into society. I have paid my price. And this was a word that so bothered Martin Luther especially. Because Martin Luther said, what do I have to do in order to have this righteousness? How do I get it? How do I measure up with justificare? How do, I, how do I get it? And then Luther reads this. You can have the slide up again. Luther reads this in the original language. And in the Greek, he sees the word diakios. That's right. The church had been locked away for a thousand years with the Latin language. And when you had a few scholars like Martin Luther go back to the original language, everything opened up. Wait a minute. This word, justification, through faith, is not justificare, it's diakios. It's not something that is active, justificare, that I have to do. It is something passive. I don't do a thing. And when Martin Luther read that, he said, from that moment, I was born of the Holy Ghost. And the gates of paradise opened up, and I walked through. And that's when this book of Romans 
and this understanding of the gift of faith given to us in Emmanuel changed Luther and changed the way we think about our relationship with God today. Those of us in this room, we think about that gift of faith that we all have differently because of diakios. Take a look at this picture here of a, of a football team getting ready in the locker room. That's justificare. They're putting on the cleats. They're putting on the shoulder pads. They're putting the uniform on. They're getting ready to do something. No, it's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches the next picture, Diakios, Iron Man. So for those of you who like movies, with Iron Man, he doesn't do a thing. He stretches out his arms, and that armor comes on him, just comes on him. God has placed faith on you as a gift. You can advance the slide, please. But what now is the responsibility with faith? The responsibility comes to us from Philippians, Philippians 1, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to fulfill his good purpose. We don't work for our salvation. We work it out. That's right. We don't work for it, not just if we care. We work it out. Because we are saved, because we have this gift of faith, we want to express God's goodness and mercy to us by showing thankfulness, by doing acts of kindness and charity. I've coached basketball for 34 years. And I've seen a lot of people take a basketball and dribble a basketball. And they are not basketball players. Just because you dribble a ball does not mean you are a player. Just because you do acts of charity and good works does not mean you are a Christian. But a Christian will work out, will work out their salvation with fear and trembling. A, a basketball player will dribble. It's part of what they do. Those of you here at Hope Church, what you do as Christians, you've lived it out. I saw that in the announcements. Who's going who's gonna to work this opportunity? Who's going to work this ministry? You work out your salvation, and you do it with fear and trembling. Do we do it enough with fear and trembling? <clears throat> A couple months ago, I was with my Ileana students in Washington, D.C., and one of the highlights of our trip is that we lay the wreath in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier, and four kids get selected to do this. And USA Today did a, did a study on what is the most, what would Americans do, want to do most as a ceremony? Throw out the first pitch at the World Series, wave the checkered flag at the Indy 500, do the coin toss at the Super Bowl, over 56% of Americans said, of all the ceremonies, ring the bell to, you know, to start the new year on the stock market, of all of those, what came out on top was laying a wreath in front of the tomb of the unknown soldier. And I remember one girl saying to me, Mr. White, I don't know if I can do this. I'm kind of I'm scared by the honor that all my classmates have given to me. And there's a couple hundred people out there. As I lay this wreath, I said, you'll do fine. 
you've been given this opportunity. We as people of faith, being given that gift of faith, having Emmanuel with us every day, every day going into 2022, do we do this with fear and trembling? Do we say, wow, God, you placed a pretty, a pretty great honor on me. I don't know if I'm worthy. I don't know if I'm worthy to do this purpose, this good purpose that you have done to will and to act in me because it's all about you from first to last, from faith to faith, from eternity to eternity. So, here we are. And here come the wise men. That's right, wait a minute. <clears throat> you said we weren't going to have one of those wise men stories, did we? The wise men, what a mystery of a story that we saw so often have a week or two after, after Christmas. We don't know much about the wise men. We don't. We don't know how they knew that there was going to be a Messiah. We don't know if somehow through the books of Daniel and through some of those other books and the minor prophets that made their way to Babylon did somehow those get locked away among the universities there in Babylon in the area of Persia? And somehow these people were br still brought to faith a few hundred years later? We don't know. I know that on this side of heaven, we don't know much about the wise men. On the other side of eternity, we'll find out a lot more. But something about these wise men is that they worked out their faith they worked it out. We need to go worship this king. We need to go find him. Do we go and find God? Do we go and find him? God takes something kind of pagan here in the astrology of the Middle East and says, I'm going to use it for me. And I'm going to make these gods so that for 2,000 years, we as Christians will talk about it. I'm going to have these guys work out, work out this faith. You know, there's a story of a young kid who says, what is the size of God, Dad? And Dad's trying to put it in perspective that the kid would understand. He says, look up in the sky, and there's a big 747, 30,000 feet up. And he says, how does that plane look to you? And the kid says, that plane looks kind of small. A week later, dad takes that kid to an airport, shows him a 747, says, now what does that plane look like to you? And the kid says, the plane's huge. Exactly. The bigness of God depends on how close you are to him. The bigness of God depends on how close you are to your Savior. And that's why I'd like to have, as our closing, something I call red thread theology. Red thread theology. <clears throat> Here's a ship, probably from the 1700s. And the greatest navy on the planet was the British Navy. And the British vessels, they went all over the world. And because they had the best ropes and the best hemp, You'd have pirates, yeah, down there in the Caribbean or out there by the West Indies who would attack ships like this. And what would they do? They would not only steal the cargo, but they would also steal the rope because that was so expensive. 
and a ship would literally be dead in the water, just floating about. In order to safeguard this, the British decided to take their ropes and actually have a red thread woven into all their ropes. So they restrung many of their vessels, and if they came upon a pirate ship, or if they came upon a ship that was of suspect, and they boarded that ship, they would take that rope, they would cut it in half, and they would look to see if there was a red thread running through it. And if there was, well, now we know we have a guilty party here. When I heard that story as a history teacher many decades ago, I thought, that's kind of the way it is with Scripture. That's the way it is with every single book of the Old Testament and New Testament. Every single book of the Old Testament and New Testament has a red thread running through it. That red thread, that message of Emmanuel, that message that we've been given and we accept by faith. And <clears throat> a little another story. On this same trip that we had in Washington, D.C. a couple months ago, the chapel committee at Ileana Christian decided to do, to do a, little, a little test. And what they did for three days as we're walking around D.C. is they went to different students with a microphone and they had a video camera. And as we're walking around, they would just kind of go up to a kid and say, and ask them a Bible question. Who was the judge that had long hair and great strength? Some kids would say, oh, Samson. Who was the left-handed judge? I don't know. Who was this? I don't know. And there was a lot of times the kids said, I don't know. And then they kind of laughed. Now, when they showed this video in chapel a couple weeks later, obviously some of the kids who were laughing was a sense of insecurity. You don't like to be wrong. You don't like to give the wrong answer. But what was shocking to me as a teacher is how the entire student body, when they would see a kid kind of mess up, they would laugh. And that, as a teacher, gives you wonderful teaching opportunities the rest of the afternoon. Because when third period rolled around and fourth period rolled around and fifth period rolled around, then they saw Mr. White with a little righteous anger here. And I said, why were you laughing? Why were you laughing at some of your friends forgetting scripture references or scripture characters wrong. Why were you laughing at that? Do you think God was laughing? Do you think God is laughing when we don't know his word? When we're too far from him? When he's given us this gift of faith and we haven't continued to say, Lord, fill me with the spirit and let this thing grow inside me? Do you think we really should laugh? I said to the students, do you think my wife would be laughing if I heard only part of what she said many times and not everything she said? Would your boss be happy if you said, you know what, I only read the parts of the policy handbook for the employees, the ones that I found interesting. How many of us are like that when it comes to the scriptures? How many of us don't take into account that red thread theology where we need to read every single book and see how God has spoken to us. Because when we see that, then we see God up close. I 
gave a challenge in a sermon a few weeks ago at Bethel Church. I said, we only have a few more days before Christmas. Think about this red thread theology. Think about the books that we some, so oftentimes dismiss. Obadiah, Zephaniah, Habakkuk. Obadiah is only 21 verses. And I told the people at Bethel Church, I said, we've got a few days here. Read one of these every single day so we understand who Emmanuel is. Read that red thread theology. Never before in the history of humankind, especially for us here in North America, has God's word been so much so accessible to us. Many of us have commutes of 20, 30 minutes a day. In those commutes of 20, 30 minutes, all you have to do is Google Obadiah and the Messiah, and you'll get a podcast, you'll get a sermon. Google Haggai and the Messiah, Haggai and Christ, and you will get sermons and devotionals. And maybe that's what we look to as we go into 2022 with God with us. God with us. Help grow my faith by finding out more about your word. You know, in a few months from now, we're going to have Easter. And Easter Sunday, there's a story in Scripture from Luke 24, verse 25. And Luke 24, verse 25, you have Jesus walking with a couple guys on this road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's a 10-mile journey, not an easy journey. So it's going to take them all day. And what do you do when you're going all day long? You're talking, talking, talking. And what does Scripture tell us they talked about? They talked about the events of what had just taken place there in Jerusalem. And this is what Jesus said. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. All the prophets have spoken. Did not Christ have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. That red thread theology. We just can't pick and choose how we want to have a relationship with God. We just can't pick and choose how our faith is going to grow. That gift, that spiritual gift of faith has to be given to us, or has been given to us. And we need to go now and work out our salvation with fear and with trembling. And when we know that Emmanuel is with us in 2022, when we know that we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling, when we take into account the red thread theology and we hear God's voice, that's, as Luther says, is when we become born of the Holy Ghost and the gates of paradise open up and you walk through. And all God's people said, Amen. I'd invite the praise team to come up. We are going to close not with a, a prayer, but with a prayer in a different way. As we close down this Christmas season, we are going to close down with a final Christmas, Christmas verse that speaks of God with us, speaks of Emmanuel. And this is the verse from Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Congregation, please stand. This will be our closing prayer.
So we will close in prayer, follow it with the final song, and then the parting blessing. People of God, Christ by highest God's people said.